Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Bake with Legend offer fans of the Great British Bake Off the chance to bake alongside their favourite stars from the show. If you're planning a special birthday, a hen party, or perhaps in charge of your next work social, why not get in touch with us to discuss and arranging an event for you? We also offer Bake with Legend at Home, where one of our Bake Off alumni can come and lead a baking class in your own accommodation. Just imagine that, Howard or Jane coming round and teaching you afternoon tea. For more information, visit bakewithlegend.com or email info at bakewithlegend.com. One which really got my gut was the most stunning milk sweets ever to grace the tent. Well, it's like, well, we've never done them before, so of course they're the most stunning milk sweets ever to grace the tent. <laughs> well, hello and welcome back to episode four. It's Dairy Week in the Bake Off Tent. Um, my name is Josh Landy, founder of Bake with Legend, and once again I'm joined by the brilliant Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle. Thank you so much for being back here. Howard, four weeks into Bake Off, it's really hotting up in the tent. It is, isn't it? I mean, I don't know whether it's hotting up uh, weather-wise in the tent. Do you think it's warm in the tent? I think somebody said they were really hot this week. Who was it? Yeah. Was it Michelle said she was really hot? So it's early for it to be heating mm, up is. in the tent. Not hot enough for some of that ice cream to freeze. It was Henry's, wasn't it? Oh, I know. Do you know, I don't know what was the matter with that freezer. It, it really looked as if it should have frozen better than that. It did, and I thought it was in there long enough, it yeah. seemed. I know you can't always tell timings, but... You cannot tell timings. Do you ever think, like, if you watch football highlights, I'm a big football fan, if you watch some of the football highlights, you can see the minute of the game that this took place in. You know, it will tell you, this is a 70-second minute, and you've got some context. But oh, there's only 20 minutes of the game left, so they had a big chance to equalise. You don't quite get that in the tent. You get that, oh, we've had half an hour, we're halfway through. But yeah. it's very hard as a viewer because it's almost for the drama they put in, you know, these moments. You're not quite sure how long they really have got no, left. No, I, th- I, th- I think they can be quite creative with the kind of editing. Yeah. Uh, not- ob- obviously, they are absolutely on the money in terms of how much time the individual bakers have to be able to do that task. If it's two hours, it is two hours. But I think sometimes the editing is a little bit... Yeah, just when Henry was going to the freezer, and you, you know, he seemed fairly calm when they were going in, that he'd have enough time, and then very quickly it didn't. And another person who didn't have time this week was Priya. I mean, she was just probably the most unready anyone has ever been for handing in their bake at you know, the end of a technical. It was, it was extraordinary. Yeah, it was extraordinary. I, I, you know, I know things go horribly wrong in the tent, and she was completely thrown, wasn't she? And I think standing there staring her lemon curd just was the thing that ate all the time up. I think we mentioned this in, in last week's podcast. When you've seen her be so calm and they're making a big thing out of the fact she's just sitting there stirring, you know that's going to come back to, to bite you eventually. But for the two of you, when you were in the tent, obviously you're keeping a bit of an eye on what else is going on around you. Surely it's alarm bells if everyone else seems to be flying ahead of you. I mean, you've got to just stop, don't you, and start moving on the next stage. I mean, did you ever find yourself, Howard, at sort of falling a bit behind, a bit worried? 
I think you do, I think there's a couple of things. I think sometimes you are concentrating, particularly in a technical, you're concentrating so much on your own bait that you don't realise what's happening around you. I remember there was one particular bait when we had to do custard tarts, and I was absolutely shocked. Um, I, I I thought, do you know, I'm definitely going to be bottom here because I couldn't get two of them actually out of the tin. And then you stop and you turn around and you see everybody else has had the same problem and you're suddenly relieved. Yeah. You think, but you haven't had a chance to kind of survey what's what's happening in the tent because you've been concentrating so much on your own. But I think the other thing is sometimes it's almost like a, a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you You sort of know that stuff is is going wrong and actually you don't particularly know what to do to stop it you're on this kind of roller coaster and i can well imagine that um that priya was in that situation knowing that this is not going to end well but she just couldn't you know couldn't dig herself out of it really. couldn't get the time back no. so, to, so to speak We've had a number of questions in from the listeners. People have been emailing the bake down at bakewithalegend.com. You can tweet in at bakewithalegend. And Howard, Gary Birdle has been in touch and he wants to know who eats all the food. And there's a few questions I think people want to know about this. One, who eats all the food? Do you get to eat some of the food? And, you know, does any of it just end up getting thrown away? I don't think very much gets thrown away, to be perfectly honest. I think it depends upon the individual bakes. So there will be some bakes where you're doing tiny little things like pretty four or something like that, where actually most of it has probably gone at the judging, you know, or a good good proportion. The crew do obviously want to uh, sample. Uh, And I think there was particular um, for us in our year, I think it was week three before we we actually got an opportunity to taste what we'd baked. Um, we had to plead to say, could you just leave us a little bit of something? Uh, so had so, they taken it away? Yeah, because obviously once the judging is finished, uh, if the judges have said this was absolutely delicious, then you can bet that the, the rest of the crew want to taste that. Um, and... Sometimes you you hadn't had the opportunity to taste your own bait to see whether you agreed it was delicious or if they'd said, you know, this is dreadful, it's underbaked or whatever. You want to have the opportunity. So they used to put us a little bit, uh, after week three, I think they used to leave us a little sample of our baits in the proving drawer. Of your own bait? Of our, of our own bait so that we could actually taste what it tasted And like. Jane, that would allow you the opportunity to go, well, actually, their feedback was accurate or I disagreed i you know because you've got an opportunity to to taste exactly what they've just done well it was slightly different for us um because perhaps because they blazed a trail for us you're a pioneer howard (laughs) a pioneer they brought us up a tray of everybody's bake to the green room so we could all not not huge amounts because the crew did eat most of it um but we had enough that we could taste everybody's bake. So we could go, yes, actually, Howard, yours really did taste terrible mm-hmm. or something. Well, we never said that, of course. But, yeah, we all had the opportunity to taste everybody's bake. They just bring us a tray up. But I did feel sorry for some of the crew because we were all taken outside during bakes or after bakes to, you know, how did that go? How do you feel? You know, you see all those little things that we all do to camera. And if there's been a particularly delicious bake... Poor old crew are out in a field trying to record you and they watch the rest of the crew descend Mm. on whatever this delicious bake was. And you'll hear them on the radio going, can you save me a bit? Save me, save me some. (laughs) And they never do. (laughs) They always eat them all. I love Um, it. They're fighting to get like an interview with you done where presumably they're asking you, how do you feel this morning went and whatever. (laughs) And in the background, their eyes are really distracted by a a Uh, crowd of other people. They do. And you know when one is a bad bake because there's usually some left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I can imagine. Never that. happened to me or you, Howard, as far as I remember. I, I think one. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the one. Trey <laughs> Page. Yes. Um, Don't admit to it. Gary, th- thanks for your question. I hope that's answered you. Um, uh, Lisa Jones has been in touch. She says, How much time do you get on day one between the signature and the technical? And do you go off and have lunch? So, and, and where do you, do you have lunch? Can you put in a request for lunch? Is it a particularly nice lunch you get? How, tell us all about that gap in between, you know, on day one. I think it varies, actually, because obviously um, 
there were lots of things that need to be done. So we've mentioned about doing the interviews. How do you think that went? Um, what are you uh, expecting from the technical? Are you looking forward to that? But also the, the, there's the judging to take place. So it can it can vary how much time you've got between finishing the signature and starting the, the technical. So roughly you might have what, a couple of hours? A couple of hours, And yeah. you would go and have lunch? Yeah, but uh, again, for me, I was quite a nervous baker. I know people said that on the surface I could look quite calm, but I found, found at certain points that I was quite anxious about it. Um, less, I think less anxious about the technical because there's very little you can do about it. Um, but you don't always feel like having something to eat if you're so absorbed in in doing the the bakes um i i found that i lost my appetite a little bit i'm assuming jane you'd have to bring your own packed lunch oh, i imagine henry has i like the idea henry's got his little lunch I bet box he has. he's got his sandwiches with the crust cut off cut in fours um but presumably they, they provide a, a nice meal for you to to you know to provide for you between the uh between the gap they do the so an outside caterer comes in, uh, you know, one of these ones that will work on any film set and feed all the crew and, and us as well. So we all go and queue up and get our plate of whatever it was, which I have to say was pretty good, actually. We had some nice food, but we didn't always have a huge amount of time to eat it because there are various things that happen. You know, we do have to go out and be filmed. Where you see people sitting at their bench gazing lovingly at their bake, we have to go back and have those shots done. There's all sorts of things that go on and it has to happen. So you might be halfway through your lunch and then you get called out and, and have to go and do that. And would you sit and have lunch together with the other contestants? You might be with some crew? No, we never spent any time with the crew. We We were all together and actually we brought board games in and somebody would have music. So we'd play board games the whole time. So the the games, whoever brought them in, and Andrew was a great one for bringing in board games, they would be there for the whole time we were... Well, Andrew was there for the whole 10 weeks. So, you know, we, we played some fantastic board games. We had an absolute hoot. There was one comfy chair, and Andrew likes to have a little snooze in the middle of the day, so he'd be the one that used to snooze. <laughs> They'd have a little snore in the corner and he could sleep through a bomb going off. But the rest of us were either being asked whether we'd made any changes to our recipes um, or whether we'd, um, you know, left something out, put something in, um, or we were playing board games or we were eating. You know, we had plenty of things to do. You know where, Howard, you mentioned there about having to go off and do the interviews. How did this morning go? Would all, let's say, you know, let's say week four, you've got 10 people there in the tent. Would everyone be pulled out and... How did it go for you this morning? Or is it they just pick out the people that did particularly badly or well? Do you think no, everyone got pulled out? I think generally, um, again, because they were, they're wanting as much flexibility as possible when, when it comes to the edit, I think generally um, everybody, uh, almost everybody, if not everybody, you know, has to do those those interviews, really. And, Jane, we've seen some people already in this series get fairly emotional doing those interviews. W- would you have the ability to say, look, give me a few minutes or, or they'd be quite strict with you and go, no, we need to do this now and, you know, whatever your emotion is, your your emotion is. Well, they have a very, very tight schedule, especially at early stages and they've got to get everything done and then back into the tent. You know, very often we didn't finish till 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the evening. So, uh, you know, they are... They don't have time to let you go and have a weep in the corner. If you're being interviewed, you're being interviewed. But they're kind and they... They don't try and, you know, let you be upset on camera. It just happens. People are tired. People are very emotionally charged. Um, And if you have a little cry, you have a little cry and just hope that they don't show it. So let's look back on the week in the tent. And I can't ask either of you about your memories of Dairy Week, can I, Howard? It's a a new one, which you you don't get too many new ones in uh, in (laughs) Bakewell. We didn't see this one coming. (laughs) No, it's it's interesting. Although I I, thinking back to my first week in the tent, Kate Week, I I can remember putting yoghurt or sour cream or something in the cake that I was doing. I think it's just that it's never been kind of categorised as... Dairy week. You're before. a trailblazer, Howard. <laughs> the trailblazer. Fancy with dairy in a cake. Do you oh, think, exactly. Goodness. Do I'm you shocked. think it's unusual? No, not really. 
<laughs> so it's a, a more a rebrand of the week, Jane, would you say? Well, dairy week. I honestly... I'm not, we, I'm not sure you're too impressed here. I'd, oh, I love, I love Bake Off and I have nothing but respect for their production company, Love Productions, but seriously... Dairy Week. I mean, it was it was as though we've never put dairy in cakes. Well, we've always put dairy in cakes. And yeah, the showstopper. I was less than impressed with the showstopper. There are so many things that they could have done for that, rather than basically condensing some milk down and turning them into sweets. It's as though they don't want to repeat something that possibly has happened in previous years but I don't think they showed the most amount of imagination for this week I'm sorry to be a real party pooper and really be miserable about this but they could have found something better to do for the Howard just because just because Jane's spoken like that I don't think you're getting off Howard's hump this week you're still, <laughs> we're, we're still coming no, to you later no, I, I, I'll, I'll still have a hump this okay. Week, yeah. okay well that's great look I mean we'll, we'll come on to then um, the signature to start with and the challenge was to make a, a dairy cake a cake mixture must include a cultured dairy product perhaps buttermilk, yoghurt to, to make a moist sponge and they were given two hours 15 minutes Paul said he wanted to celebrate dairy um, and, and there was a, something was it Noel's um, narration that really appealed to you Howard the dairy world is a hotbed of innovation. Now, artisan bakers are booking the plant-based trend and harnessing the very best it has to offer. And with its creamy decadence and microbial benefits, cultured dairy is fast becoming a darling of cake making. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe that. Oh, I love it. Oh, Do the microbes it... live, actually, if they're baked? <laughs> I don't know. If you just kill them all off by sticking them in the oven. I just thought... Do you know, like you were saying, Jane, we, we have been putting dairy and cultured dairy in bakes for quite some time. Oh, goodness, yeah. I made some scones the other day with buttermilk in. No. I did. <laughs> <laughs> they did make it sound rather novel. Uh, that is certainly true. What do you think you would have gone for here, Jane? You've got two hours, 15 minutes to do so. What, what would you have been your default direction you'd have probably well, taken this in? I would probably have gone for buttermilk because I, I like using buttermilk. Does anybody know how you make buttermilk? You should it, tell us. Yeah, shall I tell you how you yeah. make buttermilk? I made, made some buttermilk with somebody at the weekend. Um, if you just put some double cream in a jam jar, fill it about half full and shake it for a long time, you'll suddenly hear it go slosh, slosh, slosh. Yeah. Mm. In it, you'll have then a lump of butter, which you take out and rinse, and the, the stuff that's left is buttermilk. And... Yes, you can add salt to your butter and make it tasty, but the stuff that's left is buttermilk, and it's brilliant. It's better than the stuff you buy in the shops. Um, you've just divided it. So you've got the butter from the cream and you've got the buttermilk from the cream. Um, I did that with a, a children's class, and we put marbles in the jar because it helps agitate, and one child was so vigorous that we smashed the jar. But So oh, don't, don't put a marble in. But you can do it very, very easily, or you can just whack it. I think Jamie Oliver... Put it in a food processor, and when you hear the food processor suddenly make a different noise, your buttermilk is separated from your butter. So, brilliant stuff, buttermilk. Again, it's been used, you use it in soda bread, you can use it in so many things. It is something that we have been using for years and years. So, I would have probably gone for a lovely flavoured bunt of some description. I particularly like caramel, so, you know, we are looking autumnal ish so apple cinnamon with a nice toffee nut topping i think would probably be one of the things i'd go for lovely and we saw how a lot of people go to yogurt um would you have you've reached for the yogurt yes i remember i remember i think i put some yogurt in in uh, the first bit uh, first showstopper that i did and it's one of those things where um when you are new in the bake-off tent you're not quite used to having questions uh, directed at you. And one of the production teams said, uh, what what would you put in yoghurt in your bake for? And I didn't know at the time. And I, I said, it's a, it's a wet ingredient to counteract the dry ingredients. <laughs> and you think, what Very a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but it, but I think one or two people were saying they weren't quite sure about what the the cultured dairy was doing to their bakes, but they they were putting it in basically to kind of boost the bakes a little bit, a little bit of microbial A little benefit. bit of microbial whatever. <laughs> the thing is with um, these 
yogurt and buttermilk is they're quite acidic. And if you put something acidic in with a raising agent, it will boost the raising agent. So say you're making a, um, a soda bread and you don't have buttermilk or yogurt. You can make yogurt with it as well. Um, add some lemon juice to your milk before you put it in. And then it goes all a bit curdly. And that will then activate the bicarbonate of soda. So that's what they're doing. It's just something, and I'm by no means a scientist, um, it's something to do with the acid activating the raising agent that gives it that extra little bit of lift. But that is, that is a more convincing answer than putting the... Putting wet with wet dry. Wet with dry, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Howard, I don't want to draw immediate uh, assumptions, but I wondered if you were interested in what Rosie went for here, given the, the vodka and limoncello flavours. <laughs> did, did, did that one catch your eye? Yeah, David had got limoncello as well. I'd oh, say. Of course, yeah, yeah. I do like a bit of limoncello in, uh, in, in a bit, yes. Although I have to say I was drawn to Henry's. I liked the uh, Ode to a German Breakfast. I remember of... Um, uh, a particular cake that I had in uh, in Amsterdam once, which was not 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 kind not that kind of cake. How <laughs> <laughs> so was it? A cake in Amsterdam? No, it was uh, it was apple and and streusely and nutty and what have you, and and that kind of very kind of uh, German Dutch kind of vibe to a right. cake I think it's quite nice alright well, we could do a whole podcast about your trip to Amsterdam yes, maybe an- another time yeah another time confessions of a baker Jane there was uh, there was Helena who went for a ghost theme I mean every single week now we are there's no uh, getting away from what her her vibe is is there no there isn't but I quite like it. If we think about last year with Kim Joy, everything yeah. was a little animal and she's done pretty well out of it. She's got her book out yeah, and it's all I... absolutely gorgeous. Did you so... get sent the book? No, I didn't get oh, sent. Well, no, well. I didn't get sent the book. I haven't either. Please, uh, Please. contact me via the website <laughs> if you want my postal address. I've seen a lot um, of people did get sent the book, yeah, so no, I don't know no, what it is on YouTube. Did. Didn't you get one, Howard? No. No. We didn't. Neither Howard nor I got one. However, (laughs) going back to Helena's ghost, I don't mind the theme. I really like Helena. I think she's got her own personality and she does what she does and she does it very well. And um, the ghost cake, I wouldn't have thought to do that. I thought it was a very sweet little ghost with the pipe flowers on its head. And what did Prue call her? Yes, she said it was good for a mad woman. Mm. Yeah, not that kind of I'm not sure. I, I, she just meant it nicely, didn't she? It wasn't yeah, amusing because was... then somebody said something about pot calling the kettle black or something. Um, it was it was quite endearing. But I think, I think it was meant to be endearing uh, indeed. Uh, but I, I think she's doing some stunning bakes and the fact that she might have a spider or a ghost or yeah. something like that is... She's different. She's different, different and, and she and does a telly. very creative thing. So I like I like her. Absolutely. Now, Howard, M- Michelle, we can't get away from, from what happened. She broke the stand. I mean, we had the drama in last year's final. Rahul, didn't he? He had the exploding jar, mm-hmm. uh, and that broke. This wasn't quite as dramatic, but there was uh, a bit of drama there, and you had Michael coming over to the rescue as if he was Superman, saying, it's about to sink, it's going to sink, <laughs> just in time before it tantalisingly didn't fall. And then you had Phil sort of holding up a you know a, a plate just to make sure it was supported until uh, an alternative stand was found. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny, actually, because I used to have a beautiful Scandinavian glass stand, and I did exactly the same thing, where sometimes if you are just tipping something out a little bit too firmly, you catch the edge of it. And and sadly, that's what happened, wasn't it? I, yeah, I felt sorry for her. It's also still nerves as well, and you're concerned about things coming out of tins and things. And they're fairly hefty, some of those those tins. It felt in the circumstance it could have gone worse. So the cake didn't fall. No. It could have easily sort of gone half of it and, and fallen over. Did it have any shards of pottery in it, though? Oh, wow. Well, oh, uh, I don't know. Seems hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone that would have been a worry, wouldn't it? That would have been. Well, in the end, Paul said um, it wasn't quite as loose and, and open like he expected, and Prue said it was a, a little bit claggy. So, wasn't the best feedback at, at the end of the road for Michelle? Uh, you know, we had Phil had his truckingly lovely rose cake, Priya with a chocolate chip banana cake, and Michael. Michael used two types of culture there, using sour cream and a cheesecake, Jane. That yeah. was uh, a little bit different. Yes. I mean, just sorry, just going back to Michelle's first. Yes. Uh, you know, as soon as I knew what she was doing and she was going to do rhubarb, I immediately thought, before we even saw it, that it's going to be claggy. Because you put something, right. a fruit, like 
rhubarb, particularly in a bake. And it does go soggy. You have to be very careful on the fruit that you choose. And we all make those mistakes. But uh, rhubarb has been a problem over the years in Bake Off. Sorry, you were asking no, me about my, Michael's Michael, yeah. with his two different types of um, cultured dairy. I really felt sorry for him, actually, because he was trying and pushing the boat out. And it did look very pretty. And as they said, it tasted great. He had a difficult tin. With a difficult bake, I think had he wanted to do that in hindsight, if he'd had a, um, a what do you call the one? Spring form. A spring form tin, mm. so he could have got the whole thing out. Yep. Then that might have been a better choice. But it's very easy to decide to to say that after the event. I, I my heart went out to him because it had so badly stuck in there. But I'm going to make a plug for Nancy, the wonderful Nancy Burtwistle, who knows. Oh, she answers all my problems. She is absolutely amazing. She has this wonderful lining paste that is you use equal amounts of Trex flour and vegetable oil, mix it all up together, shove it in the fridge, absolutely fine, keeps for months, and then paint your tin with that stuff and things miraculously come out of the tin. So Smoothly. Smoothly. Michael, if you're listening... Check out Nancy's lining paste because any awkward shaped tins like those bunt tin, bunt, bunt tins, it really does help get things out. Michael referred, Howard, that he had made this cake 10 times during the week. And he, I mean, he's, he's young. Maybe he had a bit more time on his hands. Maybe he wasn't exaggerating. <laughs> he said it had only worked once. I mean, a 10% ratio isn't a great one to be walking into into this week was it it isn't but as i say sometimes common sense departs from you when you when you're going into the bake-off tent you think oh if there's just that chance that it might work because actually when it has worked it's been absolutely fantastic Mm -hmm. but it was one of those things when he took it out and it split um i found myself i I, I literally went oh like that at, at, at the tv and it's like you know, I, I'm getting quite emotionally involved here. I need to <laughs> take a break. Yeah, Hen- Henry was looking at it, sort of desperately trying to think of what he could say. Yeah. Um, and there didn't seem to be too much he could contribute. And then you saw the VT of, of Michael ultimately after he'd had his feedback saying, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's just a cake. Yeah. It was sort of a, a very big a, a, a motive statement. So, yeah, overall, which one did you think was best, Jane, of all the, mm. of all the signatures? It's a difficult one, actually. Um, I liked Henry's. I thought it looked very smart. I like those uh, dried apples he yep. had on the top. I I like David's. My first week in the tent, I did a lemon and poppy seed and had some limoncello in there. So it's obviously a flavour I really like. Um, and it was described as very neat, beautiful, light and fantastic. Yeah, I would say they were they would be my two choices. They're also the flavours that I like. So, yeah, I'd go for Henry and um, David's. This week's episode of The Baked Down is in association with our friends at Seed and Bean Chocolate. Seed and Bean truly live on the wilder side of taste, creating adventurous, botanically inspired flavours using only 100% organic ingredients. If you head to their website at seedandbean.co.uk, you'll receive 25% off your purchase using the code THEBAKEDOWN when you check out. It's time in the podcast for self-raising selfies. This is the part in the podcast we want to hear from you if you've ever bumped into or met a Bake Off star. Uh, Jane Deacon was in touch on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago. She says, well done on the first episode of the podcast. It's been warm, witty and funny. And strangely enough, I spotted Howard Middleton by the live stream a few weeks ago. He looked like he was in quite a hurry, so I didn't want to stop him. Plus, I was a bit starstruck and didn't know what to say. He has the kindest face, like a delightful Nick Park creation in human form. <laughs> Have you ever had such a compliment, Howard? I do. do you know, I, it's funny, actually, because I remember when I was was, was on Bake Off, uh, somebody, I think it was in one, one of the newspapers, someone had, had, had put a picture of, of Wallace and Gromit and said... <laughs> Don't like me. Is it well, Wallace is the, the guy and Gromit's the dog, is it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Wallace I'm is like a... Wallace. Yeah, apparently. More cheese, More Gromit. More cheese, Gromit. Yes. <laughs> are you often hanging out by the Lyceum, Howard? A... I, don't know. I was in a hurry, wasn't I, apparently? Oh, dear. No, I did I did you do a, a cake contest at the um, Lyceum a few weeks ago, so it may have been that I was 
I was like, oh, perhaps I was just taking my mum to the bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> Were you Not in a hurry? the dog. <laughs> uh, you were in a in hurry. A hurry. You? Were you oh, running late for that competition? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But but if if she if Jane sees me again, then please do stop me and don't be so starstruck. Jane, we're going to send you one of Howard's books as a uh, congratulations for this spot. Um, and if you have bumped into someone from Bake Off or you've got a good story uh, from over the years, do let us know. You can email us at bakedown at bakewithlegend.com or tweet us at bakewithalegend. So it's time to turn our attention to the technical. And this was a, a throwback to Tudor times, Jane, wasn't it? They were asked to make 12 maids of honour. They were told it was going to need a flaky, rough pastry case, one layer of lemon curd, silky smooth, well-risen cheese curd, filling topped with a Tudor rose, and two hours to do this. And was it the worst effort ever from a Bake Off group at a technical challenge? <laughs> well, well, um, if the judges were to be believed, then yes, it was. But, so, Maids of Honour... I. Richmond Maids of Honour, I think, was the original name because it was believed that the ladies-in-waiting or the Maids of Honour in the court of Henry VIII particularly liked these tarts when they were at Richmond. So they're called Richmond. Um, I had, a, I had a, did have a little Google and all the ones that you see popping up online from some very, very well-known um, chefs and bakers didn't quite look like the ones they had in the tent. They were all quite shallow, the ones that you will see. Well, and that was something that was Paul was criticising. Yes, them they were criticising it for um, the for the the bakers in the technical not having them deep enough. They were all, all the ones I've seen online are quite shallow. Um, Prue said to Helena that hers was more like short crust and perhaps she's come up with a new recipe, but they tasted lovely. Um, I think there's there are recipes online where they've been made out of short crust. So yeah, I think maybe they were treated a bit harshly, the bakers in this challenge. I, I, actually, I'm salivating at the thought of them because I'm a little bit hungry and I, I, they're just the sort of thing that I like. A little bit of cheesecake, a little bit of, little bit of lemon curd. I think they were. I think they were treated a little bit harshly. And they had a lot to do in the time. There's no doubt it's a tough challenge. Out. It was a tough challenge. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose on, on the one hand, again, you 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 are guided by the size of the tin that you've got. So I suppose they might have thought maybe I should uh, bring it to the rim of the the tin rather than doing it shallower than that. But lots of things to do. You know, making the lemon curd and doing the pastry, everything from scratch. And I, I don't think most people knew what a Tudor rose looked like either, which was a bit tricky. What did you think, though, of, of Helena leaving out the water? It's very easy to leave something out. Um, we've all done it. We've, we've, we've even done it at Bake With A Legend classes sometimes. It is true. You, you get so carried away with what you're doing, and I don't know how detailed the instructions were. I suspect the instructions were pretty sparse so maybe she was just trying to rush through it there's a lot to do it's a two, what, what was it a two-hour challenge yes there's a lot to do um it's so easy to forget something I, I i would have thought she might have thought hello it is a bit dry let's sling some more water in, in it oh what do you mean more water some water just because the texture wasn't very good but the thing that gets me with all the, the technicals, and I, I don't know whether I mentioned it in previous podcasts, we were not allowed to talk to any other person. Well, this was an extraordinary one where Michelle basically says, you know, oh, Phil, how do you make curd? There was this question they were sort of mm -hmm. in the freezer. And obviously they've all got, you, you know, better than me, you're obviously mic'd up. But the way it was looked is that she's gone to the side almost for some reassurance and she was given it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, as we were saying, it, it's it's almost unheard of, isn't it? But Completely. Obviously. We would be pulled up for it. Don't even turn around and look at the person behind you. But if you're being pulled up by that, by the producers who, of course, we never see as the viewers, what do you think of the fact that it was shown on air? And there's no need to show that on air. They could have just had the conversation with the two of them at the time and reminded them not to confer. But that they've showed it on air. What do you make of that, Howard? Um, I suppose there's a couple of things you can make of it. One... Either somebody is saying, if you're not sure, ask somebody else. So they're being actively encouraged to do a bit of, of chatting. Or um, they've realised that actually it's just a, a bit of good TV. So even mm -hmm. if they've been 
told not to confer uh, we might as well show it if somebody's done that. It's not the first week that they've done it. No. So I think perhaps they've relaxed relaxed it the rules. It does seem more relaxed from no, what I you think said. So. And Michelle also did point out that she was Welsh and therefore might not know what an English rose looks like and could uh, <laughs> could be forgiven for, for doing that. I just want to talk about Priya's. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything handed in that looked as incorrect <laughs> and far away from what was being asked for as what she managed to do. I mean, it was it was terrible, wasn't it? Jane, what, what did you make of it? I really felt sorry for her. It, I mean, it was just awful. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that, to be honest. But you do get a bit carried away with a task. And she was making her lemon curd in the saucepan and you have to constantly stir it. I make my um, lemon curd in a bain-marie. So you know, I have it in a bowl over a saucepan of barely simmering water and you can sort of walk away and do something else and come back and give it a little stir and walk away and come mm. back and do a little stir. There's much less chance for it to um, curdle or for the you to end up with scrambled eggs. And I think maybe that was just a little bit of lack of experience. Um, I don't know. They weren't using corn flour in their lemon curd as far as I could make out. It was just eggs, sugar and lemon. Um, I think that's just a lack of experience. But once she'd got it there, she could not leave it and nobody's allowed to help her because I used to try and get the crew that were hanging about by my bench to stir things so I could walk away and they were always told they weren't allowed to. So I think that's just a little bit of lack of experience. Maybe she has never made lemon curd before or any sort of curd before. And I I felt for her because once your time's gone, your time's gone. What she probably should have done was make her pastry first, get it in the fridge. Did she make a pastry first and then get it in the fridge? But she, yeah, just even with, she should still have managed with two hours. So I don't quite know what happened. And you don't always see what's gone on. You just see the good bits in the edit. My heart went out to her. Howard, have you ever seen Paul refuse to even get his fingers involved he didn't try them did he he didn't try them no. which i've never seen i'm I, not sure I, I think he's i think there have been certain um certain examples where he's kind of broken into something and seen that it's raw inside and refused to mm. eat it but i think this was he was literally just going on appearances he just wasn't prepared to uh, to even touch it I can't say I blame him, to be honest. It looks like the dog, I, dog would run off with it. I, I think it's interesting as well that that um, we, we've spoken before about the fact that sometimes common sense just, just leaves you. When you think about the tiny amount of lemon curd that would actually have been going in those... Uh, tarts yep. you know it wouldn't really have mattered if it was a bit on the runny side you could have you know and, and people I think could realise that it is going to firm up a little bit as it cools down so I think I think she just got her priorities completely yeah. wrong really nobody came out looking you know fantastic in, in this challenge and, and Paul said you know, collectively um, they were really bad but um your uh, your favourite Henry there coming in at coming in at third, David second, and, and Steph first. I mean, you know, uh, someone had to win, and it and it was Steph. Yeah, she was told not to look so pleased about it. <laughs> it was no great shades, was she? <laughs> it was a, a, like a compliment followed by a you know being taken away fairly rapidly. We had a week like that. Bakewell tarts. We had the most disastrous. It almost looked as bad as that. I yeah. think somebody. I can't remember who. It could have been Rav who. <laughs> Had one that looked as though it'd been run over by a camera um, on wheels, obviously. Uh, but so deserved winner, we... Steph. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, it was it was difficult to decide which one was the least of the worst, really. Um, but it's always very encouraging if you've done a particularly, you know, unsuccessful bake that everybody else has done it badly too. S- safety in numbers. Safety in numbers. Yeah. Let's turn our attention to the uh, showstopper. Howard, they were asked to create a stunning display of milk-based Indian sweets known as Mishti. The display should have three different types and 12 of each. Um, Paul suggested it could be a centrepiece for a stunning party or a wedding. And they had three and a half hours. And this seemed uh, you know, a, a challenge for, for most of them, Howard, that uh, they didn't relish, certainly, you'd say. 
I, don't, I think it's a, a, a difficult one because I, I, I wouldn't know where to start with it. So, I mean, obviously, because this is a showstopper, you are, and it's not like it being a technical, thank goodness, but you are able to do some research in, into them. But it looked as if the, that two of the sweets had to be made uh, using this particular process where they, they thicken the milk in a pan. Uh, and the other one could be a kind of free-form thing which just used some form of either condensed milk or something like that. But just a bit a bit of an odd challenge. Really. They suggested this was almost a lifeline. You know, I think that was the wording. It was a lifeline from Paul and Prue. Did that suggest that that was introduced then whilst they were baking or that had been arranged beforehand? It wasn't quite clear to me. I'd, I think it had been arranged beforehand. I think they would have been, yeah, definitely, they would have been given a brief which said, you must make two of these sweets, uh, two varieties, using this method, and you are, your third one can be done using condensed milk or something like that. Mm, I, I agree with Howard. It sounded as though it was one of those things that had suddenly been taken pity on, and it, it happened there and then, but they wouldn't... They wouldn't have done that. They would have had to have got in a lot of condensed milk. They would have had to have submitted their recipes. So it it would have been part of the original brief. Okay. And then we were told there was over 100 mishti to choose from. So they presumably would have, you know, had some kind of list, would they, Jane, that would have been sent to them in advance to say this is, you know, what we categorise as mishti? Or would that not have happened? Um, no, I don't think that would have happened because that would have been considered to be leading them in a certain direction, I think, they would have been told it was Mishti, do your research, submit your recipes, and and we will tell you if it hits the brief, and we'll tell you if it doesn't. No, we'll tell you if it doesn't hit the brief, and you'll have to go and have another think about it, but we won't tell you where you've gone wrong because they can't help you because it's not fair on anybody else. So I, I think I, I am now intrigued. I have a real, real issue with this challenge. What's, I have a complete issue with go this on, challenge. Jane. As beautiful as they were, and I think the flavours were fantastic, and there's no criticism of the bakers whatsoever, what sort of challenge was that in a baking show? The challenge was to get that milk condensed. Now, I've condensed milk at home. It takes absolutely blimmin' ages, and at the end of it, you've got condensed milk. Frankly, you can go and buy a tin. They didn't have to do any baking. A couple of them chose to deep fry things. Um, I think David made a, what do you call it, twill to put his stuff on. This was condensing milk and sticking flavours in it. Oh, interesting, maybe. It was not a baking showstopper. I, I, I really think that they chose this dairy week and then they thought, oh, my goodness, what can we do for the final? Did they have to use an oven? No. Did they have to steam anything? No. They just stuck some milk in a saucepan and let it go down till it was thick. And that was the challenge, was getting that thick in the time. I thought it was, I think, I'm really sorry, Love Productions, about this, if any of you are listening. I think it was one of the worst show-stopping challenges that they've had in 10 years. Strong review from Jane. Mm. How did you you also felt that this was perhaps not uh, not one of the strongest challenges that's ever been set? No, and I wonder, as I say, I wonder whether, in in a way, the the challenges this week were sort of in the wrong order. Whether perhaps the cake would have made a better showstopper, you know. Perhaps Mishti might have been a technical challenge or something like that rather than... I don't know, but it just Possibly. didn't... I think Jane Jane's right that it didn't feel like this was the the most appropriate uh, thing for Dairy Week to show, show off their real show-stopping talents. I wonder if it's because that they don't want to repeat things. There was a wonderful Cheesecake Week in her year, Series 6, Nadia's year, mm. where she condensed some flavours, didn't she? I think she did an ice, ice, um, so, ice cream soda yeah, flavour, didn't she? She was. Yeah. That was the week that I really thought, oh, this, this woman has got it. You know, we've had baked custards over the years that are particularly tricky. Yeah, Ian, I remember Ian coming, making an amazing one one year. I've got a dairy cookbook that I've had for probably 40 years. It's thick. There are plenty of challenges that you could do that involves baking. I'd, I just think they thought it was a great idea. They thought it would look pretty, but 
Well, I just think, please repeat things because, you know, over 10 years, you're going to have repetition, aren't you? It, there's no harm in that. Howard, um, Phil, in his own words, said he was a long way out of his comfort zone. <laughs> Could you have been a, a long way out of his comfort zone? And what did you make of what he went? He went for this inspiration from his garden um, idea, and uh, you know he called it a corner of my garden. Um, he did, yes. I think. I think. Um, I mean, I don't. I hope Norman the gnome is not listening. I wasn't a great <laughs> fan of Norman the gnome. Uh, I think the problem is sometimes <laughs> that people think that the the kind of display items are going to help their bakes, and and actually. It will. I, d- I don't think it did in this case. If 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 Norman had been edible, I would have been very very impressed. But it just looked like something that he he put on the side, didn't it? It wasn't. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And, yes. and Poor Norman the gnome. You know, and, and Paul even said, you know, forgetting you know the gnome, which you might not have been a fan of, his actual, you know, baked tasted. You know, the, a bit fake and had gone overboard, and it was all a bit samey. So, yeah. you know, pretty strong feedback against him. Um, Henry, we mentioned about his ice cream not setting and his his face when he lifted up his mould and it was so clear it was all a bit of a disaster. Was I'm sure it pained you, Jane, you know, being one of his big fans, seeing him like that. <laughs> I am a great fan of Henry's, but I am a fan of a lot of them. It was only because my Henry is, I, my son's a Henry. Again, the whole Enid Blyton thing from series one, <laughs> from episode one, I beg your pardon. Um, yes, I'm... Of course, I, I don't like to see anybody fail. I like to see everybody do as well as they can possibly do and be beaten by the better baker on the day. So, if, if but why choose an ice cream? Wait. Yes, he, came, why he was doing a lot. choose an ice cream? It, it, you, you do set yourself up to fail. And I think it, I don't know why the freezer didn't work or didn't freeze it. But I know that those things then sit on a bench waiting for judging. So, mm. if it, it was an ice cream, whether he was allowed to then put it back in the freezer. But, you know, it, it's going to melt on your bench. I had just whipped cream melt on my bench on a hot hot day, so... Well, that is interesting. And and he was very nice and self-deprecating, I enjoyed. When he did get that feedback and he referred to, you know, you'd, you'd eat it if you were served it, said Prue, and he said, well, maybe if you were a prisoner. <laughs> I do love Henry's sense of humour. He, he is very, very dry. He is very dry, I think. He's very... Um, he's He has a... Yeah, he he's a he's a very lovely young man, and I think um, we don't like to see these any of them fail. But one so young, they have so little experience compared to some of us old hardened bakers, um, and your your heart can't help but go out to them. No, he was uh, he was terrific. Were there any others, Jane, that sort of leapt out to you before we make some conclusions about who was right <sighs> and wrong that went? I mean, you know, Steph went with this well, pink and pretty mishty. So pink and pretty mishty, yes. I mean, I love the flavours. I thought she did some good flavours. Has somebody else done Dayton Walnut? Has, has she done Dayton Walnut before? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, David's, I thought, looked lovely. I thought the thing is, um, they all looked different. And there was some, the the thing that, oh, how was it called? He didn't know how to pronounce it. Kura water or something, which was the flavour of pandan. Now, I've cooked with pandan and you have to be quite subtle with it. So he, he obviously got a very... I don't know whether this water is easier to deal with than pandan leaves. You can do it with pandan mm. leaves, and it's quite a strong, distinctive flavour. So he clearly got his balance of flavours uh, just about right, and they all look different, which looked pretty. Unlike Priya, sadly, who they all look the same. Their fla- flavours might have been different, because she had all balls, didn't she? There's a lot of balls yeah. this week, I think. There's a lot of talk about balls. So David for me, uh, Steph for me. Um, I thought Rosie's cocktail ones looked amazing. She did some very pretty stuff. Um, and I think generally, you know, Michael again, I think they were described as delicious. I have no grouse with what the bakers turned out. I think on the whole, they all looked very pretty and I would have been very delighted to have them at any event as a centrepiece. It's now time in the show for Howard's Hump. And as I mentioned, we've heard a few negatives from Jane this week. Howard, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to uh, let us know? That. It's always a bit sad, I think, when, when you get sort of hints that these are the best bakers ever in the, in the bake-off tent. For those of us who weren't there before, and you sort of think, oh, all right, maybe they are. Um, but, and these are the hardest challenges ever. 
But this week, the, the one which really got my goat was the most stunning milk sweets ever to grace the tent. Well, it's like, well, we've never done them before, so of course they're the most stunning milk sweets ever to grace the tent. <laughs> I, ju- I just think, oh, please stop doing these superlatives because it does, it does make... I know with Bake Off is... Um, it's part of the Bake Off fabric, I suppose, now, but it just it just get my goat a little bit. Just give me the hump. So it's time for Judge Jane. Jane, this is where we want to hear. Do you think Paul and Prue got it right? So Star Baker, it went to Steph. Do you agree with their decision? Yes, I do. I mean, Steph was strong in all three challenges, wasn't she? I, her first one, answer to everything cake with raspberry and chocolate. I mean, oh, you, yeah couldn't agree disagree with her there at all it it was delightful she came first in the technical and then her showstopper the, the her pink and pretty mishti were described as good flavors we have to take their word for it but they were lovely they were very pretty and very neat so i think yep i think steph was a worthy winner this week yeah i'd agree well done steph it's never nice to see anyone leave a tent especially not phil who of course we're fond of here at bait with legend having seen him attend one of our events last year and in the end despite the threat that two people could leave it was just phil in the end wasn't it jane yes it was and i was really sorry to see phil go because he was kind of doing it for us oldies although he's considerably younger than me just a very indifferent week for him not a fantastic signature middle of the road for his um, technical but I think it was his showstopper that really dragged him down sort of a lot of artificial flavours in there and perhaps Norman the Gnome let him down on the day So that was Dairy Week in the Bake Off tent. We started with 13, now just down to nine. Thank you so much to Howard and Jane for being here, and we look forward to seeing you next week. A reminder, if you do want to get in touch with the show about anything, maybe you've met a Bake Off star, maybe you've got a question for Howard or Jane, you can email us, thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com or tweet us at bakewithalegend. just heard a stripped media production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.